In today's bonus episode, we talk about how to create an autism-friendly Christmas. Welcome to Embracing Autism, a podcast for parents of autistic children seeking advice and support while spreading awareness and acceptance of autism spectrum disorder. I'm Leah. And I'm Matt. And each week we will discuss our journey with autism and talk about how to embrace your child's individuality while providing guidance, tips, resources, and sharing our personal stories. This is Embracing Embracing Autism. Autism. Hey everyone, surprise, bonus episode. (laughs) (laughs) What a wonderful intro. Yeah, we try not to record too much during the month of December because it's right after Christmas Wish and we kind of need a break. Christmas Wish is a whole lot of work for us. That's true. Kids don't have school, so uh, it's parenting all around and therapies all around, so not a lot of time for anything. Yeah, and we're still working. But we wanted to just squeeze in a couple minutes here. This will be a shorter episode because it's basically just a moment for us to kind of reflect on Christmas and the holidays and their relationship with autism and how autism impacts that. Might you say Christmas past, present and future? Well, I I wouldn't know about the future one. (laughs) (laughs) Eh, We'll see. I guess we'll find out soon. Okay. Yeah. So the first thing that we kind of wanted to talk about is just preparing for the holidays or Christmas. We made a couple posts on this on social media, on Facebook and Instagram at Autism Wish. And the post is basically just giving out some tips and guidance on how to prepare for the holidays when it comes to autism. By the time this comes out, it's pretty much almost Christmas. (laughs) Right. So it's like a last minute, like... Hustle. Mary or whatever you want to say. So if you're listening to this and it's right before the holidays, here are a couple of tips to make it an autism-friendly holiday for you and your family. The first one of those is trying to space activities out. We kind of learned the hard way that a standard Christmas where you wake up early, the kids come down, they're overwhelmed with like all these gifts and they have to unwrap everything and family's over. Then there's Christmas dinner and all that. That definitely was not a great experience the first couple of years until we found out how to fine tune it. That's true. I definitely think of the approach like think slow, like slowly doing the activities. Don't rush like, oh, we have a timetable to keep. Let's unwrap all the gifts in the morning and then move on to the next thing. That was the mistake we made, I think, our first year and didn't end well. We learned and kind of went off of that for the following year. And it definitely made a difference. I mean, kind of plan throughout the day. Oh, okay, let's open a gift now. And then once they kind of get some exposure to the gift, then maybe try another one. But definitely work off of their timetable, not off of your timetable or other family members if possible, of course. Yeah. So one of the recommendations there is basically just space things out. Instead of giving them their gifts all at once, for example, maybe have them unwrap one gift at a time every hour. Or if they get overwhelmed with just the sight of all the gifts, which some kiddos can't even stand looking at all of them, maybe consider doing like a scavenger hunt throughout the house instead to find the gifts. So you could put some fun game together where they're looking for clues or something like that, and they have to go and find their gifts throughout the house. You know, that'd be kind of a fun, like family tradition. Plus, I mean, it ultimately slows down the process of opening the gifts because obviously you have to play hide and seek with all of them. Yeah, exactly. And it's a fun opportunity to add in some educational stuff, too. If you're teaching them colors or you're teaching them words or whatever it may be, you can incorporate that into the game. Another thing that we learned, again, the hard way is that Christmas and holidays can be really overwhelming for autistic kiddos. 
This is even for myself. I get overwhelmed, particularly when it comes to having a lot of company over because there's a lot of like social engagement and there's a lot going on. There might be Christmas music playing. There's like the sense of food cooking. There's all sorts of sensory stuff going on. So one of the things that we offered our kid the second year, because the first year we didn't know any better, (laughs) is a safe space for her to get away. So we made sure that she had a room that was separate from where all the chaos was happening and that that room was a quiet space. We had some like low lighting in there. At the time, she had some pretty cool Christmas lights in her room. We basically just gave her the option of being able to sneak out to that room whenever she needed it. And I think for us, the big thing that got her worked up a little bit was all the the wrapping paper and all the gifts. So gauge it and then of course have like a place to retreat to that is not as sensory overload. So I mean, definitely um, a good thought to have. Um, But I also think if there's like a schedule of sorts that you can almost like work with them so they know kind of what to expect before it actually takes place. So it's not like, oh, we're opening gifts. Oh, now we're going to play with them or have dinner or go caroling. I don't know if people do that (laughs) anymore, but like if they have like an idea of what is to come next so they can kind of prepare themselves if at possible. Yeah, and there are plenty of free online social stories and visual schedules for that sort of thing. These already exist on the internet. So if you just do a quick Google search and you look up Christmas social story or Hanukkah visual aid or whatever it may be, I guarantee you those already exist and you're able to get like a free PDF download. And then you can talk to your kid about it beforehand. So plan it out. We usually do things like that at least a week before the event happens, sometimes two weeks before, just depending on how significant the event is, or if it involves travel or anything like that, you can use social stories to prepare them for all of those things. And honestly, we've been talking about Christmas since what, Thanksgiving, at least? Yeah, well, no Halloween, technically, because I put up our tree. But yeah, as far as like (laughs) prepping, I mean, it started early. I mean, it always starts early, but... (laughs) Yeah, so that's another thing you can do is just prepare them kind of emotionally and psychologically by giving them that game plan in advance. The other thing that you can do is give your kids some space socially. And what I mean by that is don't put on this pressure for your kid to have to interact with people. I know oftentimes family comes over and more often than not, that's family that the kid hasn't been around very frequently. So it might be like aunts, uncles, cousins, grandparents, people flying in from out of state. Your child more than likely does not have a very close connection with that kid if they're not around them frequently. And that person more than likely does not know how to interact with an autistic kid. They might have some unrealistic expectations on your kid. They might not quite understand that if your kid is not responding to them, they're not being rude, things like that. So there can be a lot of moments of misunderstandings and potential frustration happening during the holidays when you have these two worlds kind of colliding. My family, when I was younger, I guess like our like family ritual was essentially like you would see who gave you the gift. And then as you're opening it, you would immediately thank that person. It's not just one person opening a gift at a time. Multiple people are opening gifts and talking loudly, lots of paper. So, I mean, depending on what the like expectation is of your family, it's just something to keep in mind, like maybe try and like talk to the family ahead of time, just letting them know like, hey, we're going to try and do this a little bit different. We can like thank the person like at the end for the gifts, but not like in the middle as all the chaos is happening. Because I mean, it worked fine for my family because we're all crazy people, but in like our new family with both our girls, it might definitely create some like tension or sensory overload if there's all this noise and paper and just stimulation. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, even I get overwhelmed because of all the talking and all that. Oftentimes, I need a little bit of a social break and I'll go and retreat to the bedroom for a little bit. But even despite the socialization aspect, there's also just typical autistic characteristics. And that's like bluntness, for example. And so you might run into the issue, and (laughs) this happens a lot in my autistic family, where somebody receives a gift and they don't particularly like it, or maybe they already have one or something like that. And they are just going to be blunt and be like, oh, I don't want this, or oh, this is ugly, or why'd you get that? Fully expect that your child, if they are verbal, may verbalize in front of people who gifted them something that they do not like or enjoy the thing. And if that happens, don't freak out. Keep in mind that autism comes with certain things, and some of that is not really understanding social etiquette sometimes, not really understanding why people would care about this. Like me personally, if somebody said that, my feelings wouldn't be hurt. I'd just be like, oh, okay, well, let's exchange it for something that you want. But you know, some people are really sensitive to that. So just don't get lost in feeling like you have to really cover for your kid and instead prepare the family who is coming beforehand. Say, hey, just a reminder, my kid is autistic and as part of autism, they might be blunt. So it's possible that if they don't enjoy something, they might blurt something out. They're not intending to be rude. That's just how their brain is wired. Yeah. And this might be one of the times that you actually disclose the diagnosis because otherwise if it might just come off as like a ungrateful kid who's spoiled, who doesn't want to accept a gift that they were given. So, I mean, it might be a time that you might want to consider if the family doesn't know that your child is autistic, maybe kind of letting them know or giving them a heads up just so it's not seen as like, oh, wow. Okay. Like he's just being rude towards me. Yeah. And generally speaking, I am kind of anti-disclosing the diagnosis and making it kind of a need-to-know basis. But to me personally, that's not including family. Like to me, that rule doesn't apply to family because at least in my culture, because I'm Hispanic, family is like super close and tight-knit. And so it's just expected kind of like what we know, you know. So it's kind of like depends on your family's dynamics, how close you are to your family, who's coming. That's kind of on you on whether or not you feel comfortable enough to disclose that diagnosis with them or not. Yeah. And maybe you can turn it into a fun game. How many gifts did you get that you don't like? And then you ask them at the end of the day. <laughs> I'm just kidding, of course. Yeah, don't do don't that. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be like, how many returns? <laughs> oh, gosh. Those are a couple of suggestions. Now, when it comes to enjoying Christmas dinner, again, this advice is going to be very similar to my Thanksgiving advice that I did on social media. Trying not to force things onto your child that might be sensory overload or might be some sort of aversive thing for them. So when it comes to Christmas dinner, just make sure that you have some safe foods readily available for your kid. It doesn't matter if they're not traditional. If they want to eat goldfish and chicken nuggets, okay, goldfish and chicken nuggets. However, I always encourage and we with our kids always do try to expose them at least to new foods. I will bring back the no thank you bowl. We have our no thank you bowl. And basically what we will do is we'll give them like a charcuterie board of a bunch of different food options. So we might put like a piece of turkey on there. We might put like a piece of lettuce not really overwhelm them with a whole bunch of stuff, but just a little bit of everything on their plate. And just tell them if you don't want any of this, just put it on the no thank you bowl and eat the goldfish and nuggets if you'd like, but we're at least exposing them to it. And I would say our threshold for trying new foods is very, very minor. Like sometimes it might be like, oh, a bread roll that you previously haven't tried, or oh, these are some pieces of cheese that are cut into cubes versus like slices or shredded cheese, for example. Very small changes to what they're 
used to, not something absolutely crazy that you know is going to cause a potential fight or meltdown down the road. Just small changes if possible. And I would also mention it. So this is, of course, if you are the one who's hosting uh, Christmas or whatever holiday you celebrate. But if you're going to a host house, I would also kind of let them know kind of what the circumstances are that there might be a chance that your child might not actually eat the food that they're preparing. Just so there's no no one getting offended that, oh, I spent all day making this food and the child isn't even eating it. Yeah. And honestly, I defend my kid in those situations. When people don't know, I always try to educate kindly. I always try to create an opportunity for education on autism and autism awareness. I know a lot of people kind of get quick to let that mama bear out and start getting aggressively protective of their kid and kind of start engaging in an argument with the person. I really don't think that's effective. So I don't do that. I just basically try to educate them and explain to them why certain certain sensory things Things might be a challenge or why certain kids might not eat certain things. And that's easier for me to do because I also struggle with that. But I always rely on education first. And then, of course, you can always bring like a backup lunch, just bring something with you and just let them know like, hey, I'm bringing this in advance just in case. But when it comes to the exposure of the foods, I actually think that it's okay to just expose them to something new, even if it's not an incremental change. Like, let's say that they normally do cheese cubes. Yes, you can try cheese slices, but that doesn't mean that all you put on their plate can be cheese, for example. You can still put the Brussels sprouts, even if they've never tried it, just give them an out, give them an option to not not have to eat it. That's true. And I mean, and we've experienced things where our child sees a vegetable that we never thought in a million years that she would eat, a bell pepper, and she'll just eat it like an apple. And and we're like, okay, like, I mean, that's fine. And that's her own thing. I mean, same thing with onions. She loves just eating raw onions. So, I mean, we, we've exposed her to like interesting, like for her, what would be an interesting vegetable because I mean, she's four and she's kind of surprised us. So, I mean, there are times where you might just be completely caught off guard that they take a bite of something that you didn't expect and count it as a win. Yeah, there's things that she eats that I would never eat. I mean, granted, that's not saying much because I wouldn't eat a lot of things because of my aversions, but she eats really weird things. Like she will eat a raw onion like an apple. I think that's universally weird, right? That's true. (laughs) You never really know what they're willing to try. So always give them the options, but also give them the out just in case. Create a pressure-free environment where your kid is allowed to be their authentic self. They're allowed to explore new things, but they're not being forced to explore those things. The other thing to consider is that the holidays can be noisy. And so it's pretty good idea to have a kind of grab and go sensory bag nearby and include a pair of like noise reduction earmuffs, especially if you're not going to be at your home where you know where those are. Have some sort of like sensory bag, kind of like a bug out bag, but a sensory bug out bag. And in that bag, have all the things that they will need to kind of regulate themselves if they're in a foreign environment. So I would add in there that noise reduction earmuffs, maybe some fidget toys, maybe some sort of like social story. Uh, For Halloween, for example, we had these like social story bracelets that had more of a visual aid than a social story. It was like a visual aid step-by-step guide on what to expect for trick-or-treating and what to say with like verbal prompts. So you can have like a little one sheet in there that goes through what phrases they might need to say or what they might expect or how they can politely say no, things like that. And I know for us, our kids are really big into kind of like a transition toy. Like they're one of their like favorite toys that they bring with them as kind of like a comfort item. So if they get overwhelmed, they have this one item with them that helps them kind of transition from different activities and such. So, I mean, I would definitely put that in there as well if you have one. 
Exactly. We gave this advice during a live stream, but I want to reiterate because it's relevant towards after the holiday as well. Keep in mind that after Christmas is over, after the holidays are over, instead of taking all your Christmas lights down in one go, all of your decorations down in one go, do the same thing that we suggested for putting them up, which is taking them down slowly. Maybe split it up with a couple of days worth of decorations and like every day, maybe take down one specific room or just take down the lights one day and then the decor another day. But if you do it slowly and if you're able to get your child involved in that process, maybe have them take the ornaments off the tree or whatever you feel is safe for them to do, then they will be more prepared for that transition away from those decorations and they're less likely to have transition related meltdown. Plus, if they're involved in the process, they're aware that the decorations are coming down. It's not like they wake up one morning and everything is gone. And then it's kind of a a little bit of a, a breakdown or just kind of a surprise of like, what happened? Where did everything go? It was here yesterday. If they are able to help, I mean, that I think that's a great idea just because then they are aware of the decorations or, or whatever going into the boxes. So they know that it has been taken down because they helped with it. And the last piece of advice I'm going to give to y'all is this. Enjoy the time with your kid. Sometimes we get overwhelmed in the hustle and bustle of the holidays. And for us, the meaning of Christmas, we really want to focus on that in our family. And so we don't want that to get lost with all the anxiety of, oh, I don't know how my kid's going to react. Am I going to have to make sure that he's not having a meltdown? What is my family going to think? Do I have to basically referee between my guests and my kid? If you get your head kind of spun up and all of that anxiety, you will miss the joy of the holidays. You will miss the beauty of your child during Christmas. And yes, even though there likely are meltdowns and there are negative moments throughout the holiday, I guarantee you our kid is going to have some sort of transition difficulty at some point, probably when she has to go to nap after opening a gift. But this is just part of that growth mindset. It's part of that empathy where we just learn to let go of some of that, not just for our kids' sake, but even for our own mental health and for our own sanity. Sometimes when I'm like really, really overwhelmed and something's completely out of my control and maybe my kid is having a significantly huge public meltdown, I just kind of stop, put her down in a safe space and take a couple breaths. And sometimes I'll even just like laugh at myself and be like, look, this is what it is. This is what we have going right here. I'm not going to get worked up about it. I'm going to let her cool down. I'm going to let myself cool down. And once we're both cooled down, then we can kind of move forward from there. But don't just let it spiral and ruin your whole holiday. Yeah, I think that's a I mean, great piece of advice. And I'm not sure if you're speaking directly to me because sometimes I get stressed out when we, oh, we want everything to be perfect for the holidays. But then like one thing starts to go wrong and then it's kind of a domino effect. So I definitely think it is important to kind of step back or breathe. And I'll definitely try to do that <laughs> this uh, this Christmas. For I sure. definitely think you struggle with it more than me. I struggled with it at the beginning. I definitely used to be that person at the beginning of this journey. And I had to go through a learning process where I had to kind of reevaluate, okay, what's really important in this situation? And whenever I feel myself kind of going off the rails when it comes to like anxiety or stress or my heart rate going up, First of all, my smartwatch helps because it'll tell me, I I sense a stress insight. And then it'll tell me to breathe. <laughs> that that little bugger. One. I don't have one. I don't yeah. know when to breathe. 
either. So if, hey, Christmas is around the corner, guys, get yourself a smartwatch. But, you know, it is like a good thing to just kind of like remind yourself of what's really important, especially around the holidays, what's really important and not wanting to focus on the wrong things during those moments because those moments are fleeting and our children are growing and each moment is just so precious. Try and see situations from their point of view. If they're getting overwhelmed with sensory overload or or whatever the case may be, try to see it from their perspective of it's not fun for them to have a meltdown. It's not like they want to have a meltdown. I mean, they're clearly struggling. So, I mean, try and aid them or assist them to try and get back to more of a neutral ground before proceeding to the next activity. Exactly. So just remember, I know we all have these traditions, we all have these routines, but so do our kiddos. And so sometimes it's okay to break these traditions and create new ones and just adapt to our kids. And you know, we still want pieces of us in that we're not trying to lose ourselves in that. But if we can find the perfect combination of both meeting our needs and our kids needs together, you can make new holiday traditions that incorporate both of those needs. So just keep going and make sure that your kid feels safe and comfortable. If you sense any sort of stress or anything, give them an out in any situation, whether it's sensory, feeding, socializing, whatever it may be, as long as they have that out, they should be okay. And have fun and have a very Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, everyone. We'll see you in the almost new year. I think we got something (laughs) coming right before the new year, but almost new year. All right. (laughs) Merry Christmas, everyone. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this bonus episode of the Embracing Autism podcast. Tune in next week as we explore new segments. We'll also share some exciting updates and everything that we accomplished in 2022. As always, feel free to reach out to us at podcast at autismwish.org or leave us a message on our social media accounts at Autism Wish. Also, don't forget to subscribe at youtube.com slash at Autism Wish in order to get notified when we go live starting December 30th. As a reminder, we will now begin doing video live streams, so you'll want to subscribe so you don't miss out on anything new. This is Embracing Autism.